Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Coding the Future. I am so honored that you have joined us for this hour. Coding the Future is an education-based show to give information and action tips to working adults to guide them through a new level of tech savvy. Through leveraging their own skill set, we share the inside scoop on tech trends, explain how to leverage current technology in your career, and explore how your talents can be the key to your tech success. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, an educator, technologist, entrepreneur, mom of two boys, lover of all things coffee, and wine, an avid list maker, and a lifelong learner. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. We hope that you will enjoy this hour of time. I am really excited about this show today because I have one of my most favorite people in the world, a colleague and friend of mine, Mr. Walter Hall. He is joining us today so that we can dig in to this whole concept called magnet schools. You know, education is top of mind to many of us right now because the past year has been nothing short of a roller coaster. But the way in which we're going to move forward with education is going to be have to be very purposeful. And we're going to have to think about what is best for our students and how do we actually amplify their passions through both digital learning tools and in-person learning. Walter Hall is the director of magnet school programs at Charlotte Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, and he has served in this position and changed and innovated the way in which we look and use magnet programs within our school systems. He has a few years in education. I'll let him explain more of that, but has been a classroom teacher and administrator and now is working to change the conversation and move the pendulum around children's interest and how do we elevate the public school, public school system, magnet programs, and students' academic progress. So Walter, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for being here and, you know, I've been trying to do this for some time. And so now I finally pinned you down for an hour of time to talk about all the great things you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be able to tell uh, the Magnet Program story, Charlotte Mecklenburg story, my story, and just how it all comes together. Um, from the very beginning, I had an opportunity to start working in a magnet school. Actually, I went to school um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I went to uh, a partial magnet school and um I actually didn't get to partake in that experience. I was one of those kids on the outside that got to see um, students participate in that experience and what it looked like. And um, I always wanted to be a part of it. It was very fun for them. Uh, It was a German magnet, um, German immersion magnet school. And, um, you know, you always just thought those kids were super special. And so um, it was a small group of kids. They got to participate. And, um, you know, that's kind of how my journey begins. So tell me a little bit about, so you grew up in Pennsylvania. What brought you to North Carolina? How did that journey, how did, how did you end up here? Well, I say here, just for our listeners to know, we both are in Charlotte. I'm located in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so what brought you to the South? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, been there since 1981, (laughs) telling my age a little bit. Um, but, um, I had an opportunity to participate in a program, um, that was sponsored by the, um, United Negro College Fund, the UNCF. And so it was a pilot program. Um, it pretty much gave me access to all the, uh, member institutions that were available, um, had a full scholarship, uh, to participate. And so, um, I ended up in Charlotte because my mom worked for American Airlines. And so I had to figure out how I was going to get back and forth to school. And um, I could have went to any one of these schools across the country in the South, um, in the Midwest, uh, in the um, in the um, South, the Southwest. And I, I chose Charlotte because Charlotte was uh, one of uh, U.S. Airways hubs and yeah. uh, I was able to get back and forth uh, to school. And I, I went to a little school um, here um, in the west side of Charlotte named Johnson C. Smith University. And it was probably one of the best decisions that I ever made in my entire life. Um, it allowed me to grow, um, to become into uh, this person that has become an advocate 
um, putting all my life experiences together. And um, yeah, that's a little bit about how I, how I got here, how I got to Charlotte and uh, studied uh, education. I studied elementary education, started as a fifth grade. Um, I actually started as a second grade substitute when I first um, graduated. I did a little oh, bit of avid, avid tutoring. Um, I did a little bit of kindergarten substituting. And I was like, oh, this ain't for me. So <laughs> I ended up finding out that I was a, a fourth and fifth grade teacher. And so I landed there for about nine, you know, nine years or so and um, went through that, um, grew students, um, passion for math and science. I started out working in the STEM school, uh, which is really cool, uh, just being able to be innovative and just have a focus around um, STEM before it was STEM. It was uh, math, science and environmental studies. And so um, it was a fun experience, just exposing urban uh, students to um, just di- just different concepts and a different a different lens. Um, who whoever knew that we would be where we are today um, with the way STEM is described and, and the way that uh, we access that. So um, that's that's how I got to Charlotte. Well, it's a really cool story. Mostly, well, I love that mostly you said because my mom was coming here, and it is really cool that Charlotte is. Well, it was U.S. Airways and now it's American as a hub. And it does make it a great destination to be able to get in and out and, and move around and, and have opportunities. So that leads me to my next question. You were here. So was your first job, let me actually take this back, because actually your first job, you said um, outside of out, after college was being a second grade substitute teacher. But what was your first job growing up? Oh, my very first job, I worked for um, Mellon Bank. And um, that might be the first. Everyone always says like grocery store or lifeguard, but you worked for the bank. Okay. I, w- I worked for the I work for the bank and I worked in uh, what they call a retail lockbox. Oh. So like uh, the place where you uh, pay your bills. Right. So you used to write your bills out with checks and things. Right. And you think you were sending it to Duke Energy, but actually you were sending it. The You had like a P.O. This says like Duke Energy and it says P.O. Box four zero 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 three or whatever. And that's actually like a bank in Pittsburgh or a bank in New York or in some somewhere. And you have these people that are just sitting at these machines. Then this was back in the day now, everything's electronic. But you're um, you're sitting at these machines and you have like this this big machine and you're filling it with envelopes. And it's like it slices the envelopes open and you're like taking the checks, the checks and the coupon payments out and you're separating them. You're separating, separating, separate, separating. And uh, you're trying to get as many payments as you can process in the hour because you have like all these batches of, of bills that are due on certain dates. And so different companies will have bills that were due on certain dates. So that was like my very first job. And then um, <clears throat> I stayed there for a little bit of while and I moved upstairs to a different department and it was still the same type of work, like data entry work. But my next job, I was actually processing passports. So you would go to the pass, hmm. you would go to the passport office in the post office, and you would give them your birth certificate and your, if you ever got a passport between, um, I would say ninety five and you know two thousand one, they were on this, they were on these brown applica- ap- brown applications with the boxes. And you had to fill them out. So you had the mm-hmm. you had the application and then you had to give like your birth certificate and all these different identifying documents. And they were not copies. They were like the, the real document. And so we took that information. We had to key those applications in and then it went to another department to where they actually made the passports and then they sent them back out. That's so incredible. I mean, you think about this. All right. 1995. You're talking, you know, a little less than 20 years ago, and you were, and even like a year or so before that, when you were opening the envelopes, think about how much technology has impacted just that job. Of Because now, I mean, gosh, I can't really even think about the last time I wrote a check, right? Because everything is electronic, but just that progression over the past 20 years of bill pay. And where, that's so incredible. Oh, my goodness. And I can only imagine, I mean, that nuance of having to stick the check in there to, yeah. oh, I would be so stressed. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'd be so stressed. That, that would not work out for me. But th- th- I would imagine that taught you a lot about persistence, about time management, and about how maybe that was something you didn't want to do and how valuable your education is. 
it definitely was something that I didn't want to do. Um, I had the work. Um, and so um, it was motivation to leave Pittsburgh. Like, I, I just didn't want to be there. Um, my educational experience wasn't um, what I believed that it could have been. And so um, I just wanted a fresh start. I wanted to do something different. Um, at the time, um, Pittsburgh wasn't a, um, it was, the neighborhood that I lived in, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great, great space to grow. And uh, I just needed to leave. And so um, all those things came together and was like, yo, you got to go. You got to go do something else. And um, it was motivation. It was motivation. And I would say that's, do you think that's what influenced you to go into education as a profession? Or was there something else that triggered you that said, you know what, this is really what I want to do? It was the number one reason why I went into education. Um, My educational experience, it definitely was uh, one that did not prepare me for life in general. I wouldn't say it didn't prepare me for life, but it didn't prepare me for the next phase of my life. So when I talk about high school um, and um, just, just like, just our school in general and, um, you know, the different neighborhoods were uh, segregated uh, based upon where you came from. That's what school you went to. So boundaries played a large role. And, um, you know, back, back then, some teachers felt um, a certain way about students that were homegrown and, and the neighborhood boundary that, that they come from, as opposed to students that were coming from across the bridge or, or coming from across the river. So, um, your educational experience was a little bit different. And, and school was tough for teachers back then, too. Um, you had a lot of um, disagreements uh, between students because they came from different neighborhoods and things like that. And so some students were focused and some students were not focused. And, um, you know, teachers kind of took um, the opportunity to um, pour into who they thought uh, were interested in learning. And uh, mm-hmm. there was some of us that were kind of in the middle. So mm-hmm. um, you had to have parents that sought out those opportunities for you, or uh, you just had to really be um, one of those go-getters. And sometimes, you know, some students are shy, and so they still, mm-hmm. they're still trying to figure out uh, what they like and what they like to do. And all that comes based off of exposure. Yeah. So, like, if you don't have the exposure, you really don't know what else is out there. You don't know, like, you never left your neighborhood. You don't know... Um, what a beach looks like. I didn't know what a beach looked like until, you know, I turned 21. Wow. Um, that's because there wasn't one around us, right? I knew what a river looked like. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> water looked like that because it was a dirty river. We had three rivers and, and, and you thought it was dirty, but it really wasn't dirty. It just had different bases. One was a clay base, one was a dirt base, and one was a clay and dirt base mixed. So like, that's what you thought the water was like. And then like you see on TV, you see like a beach. And I was like, dang, I'm Never, never went, never experienced that. That's different than, you know, living in North Carolina where you can literally drive three hours and be, um, mm-hmm. be at the beach or you could drive three hours the other way or two hours one way and be in the mountains. So, um, you know, just being able to have that exposure. But, you know, I, de- I definitely um, would say I um, went into education just because of my educational experiences and wanting to make sure that there were um, there was access and equity for, for all students, no matter um, what their story was, no matter uh, what their past was. Um, everybody had an opportunity to have a, a chance and a choice to do something uh, and to be and be invested in. And um, so that was me. Like, that was my whole thing. I wanted my experience to be different. I wanted the experience that I provided for students to be very different. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's amazing that I kind of ended up where I, where I am in this space because I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do uh, when I turned 18. I didn't realize it. Didn't realize I would be here. Didn't realize I would go the route that I would go. Uh, but I'm here. I'm doing exactly what I said that I wanted to do uh, when I was 18 by becoming a teacher. So that drives me to the question. And I think that your background is really important because our backgrounds shape, it's, our, it's, a, it's a piece of who we are, you know, and I can completely recognize what you're saying about your educational experience. I was one of those kids that sat in the middle too, you know, and I think our education system often leaves us, the ones in the middle get stuck in the middle or either get lost somewhere because I wasn't a high flyer. I wasn't, you know, I... 
I, I wasn't, I, I got generally what to do and I had good teacher pleasing behaviors, but I, you know, I struggled a lot in school too. And I, part of my mission to become an educator was to provide an experience for children in the same manner that they could walk into my classroom and no matter where they were, they would find their place, which, which leads me to the point of the concept of a magnet school. So right now you are the director of magnet schools for Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. What is a magnet school? Because I know there's names, other names, but how do, how is it classified here and how can that be, you know, give a commonality to those that are listening? Yeah. So I, I am the director of magnet programs and school choice um, here in, in Charlotte Mecklenburg. And so um, magnet programs really just uh, provide an opportunity for a uh, curriculum to be um, looked at through a particular lens or approach to a particular lens. Um, so um, we have programs that range from pre-K all the way to grade 13, um, grade 13 equaling um, our uh, middle college and community college or early college programs. But um, basically the whole concept of a magnet school is really to um, introduce theme-based learning and also to integrate schools as well. Um, so um, students that typically um, may not have a particular opportunity because um, they're not in a normal attendance boundary, may be allowed to go or may be honored or granted a seat to go to a particular school um, and experience a particular theme. Um, at the same time, that, that same theme um, gives them access to different things. So if you look at, um, STEM, for example, we have uh, various fields in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, um, such as uh, CS or computer science that are integrated in every single part of a student's day. And so um, you have uh, English and math and uh, social studies and uh, science and all these things are uh, core concepts. You still got to teach kids how to read, still got to teach them how to write, how to count, how to mm -hmm. interact, how to be good citizens, how to vote. Um, but we do that through the lens of computer science in some of our schools. Um, we do it through the lens of arts in some of our schools. And so um, it just gives students the, that, that extra, extra deep dive to, to attach to the learning based on something that they're really interested in. I like that because I've had a lot of conversations recently about really giving students the opportunity to be self-driven and self-paced and how they're thinking about their learning. And I also read a quote about, you know, a passion can help you step in the right direction, but the purpose really drives what you're going to do. So if a child identifies with art or with music or with computer science or even with just leadership, those that are natural leaders, there is a space for them in a magnet school where they can really elevate that passion and put purpose behind it. Absolutely. I mean, you have, I, I, I can talk about my own daughter uh, right now. So she is um, an artist and uh, she is uh, great at dance. But she actually has, and those are like the type of schools that we that we put her in. She has a passion uh, to help people right now, mm -hmm. and so I'm actually thinking about like what does elementary um, international baccalaureate experience look like for her because she wants to solve this problem of homelessness um, around the world in Charlotte. She just has like this passion for it, and so um, it. you know, just kind of thinking about like you know, what she wants to do and why she wants to solve these problems and how passionate she is. It kind of makes me think like, how can I allow her to, um, how can I pick the best theme or the best situation that will allow her to access how to read, how to write, how to count, uh, how to be a good citizen, how to vote and all those things. So um, magnet schools are definitely the way to do it. You know, we got a lot of different types of schools out here. We have, um, we got our magnet schools, we got our charter schools, we got our private schools. There's so many different options that are out here. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are not, um, you know, um, just, just because there are different types of schools, they understand and recognize the importance of theme-based learning. When you mm -hmm. think about like, uh, and theme-based experiences, especially when you look at our middle school students and our high school students participating in CTE, pro career technical education programs, which we call CTE here in Charlotte, um, you know, just being able to access 
the various um, pathways that they have that are available uh, to them. They're doing this all across different types of schools. Um, you know, our American schools really allow uh, students that don't have these options in their neighborhoods to access them. Well, and you're right, because here, here's the piece. In elementary school, there's a lot of exploration. The kids are young. They're, you know, they're sponges. They're absorbing all the information that's coming in. You know, they're, and like you said, your daughter likes dance. I mean, my, my son, actually, I, I can relate to, and by the way, Lauren is amazing, Walter's daughter. She's fantastic. Um, my son is equally that way, and he's nine now, but he was not really interested in any kind of sports or playing or activity. He was really more of a, he really loved art and drawing, and now he's become really interested in learning more about sports and the data and the science that drives, that makes you a really good athlete, which, you know, makes my heart go pitter-patter because I'm all about the data and the science. So, but watching him develop as an, you know, as an elementary student is really interesting. Where I think the magnet school really helps to develop and, and, and prepare students for that next space or that next move in their, in, in their life is through the magnet program and having the ability to apply what they're learning. So they're learning how to read, to write, to do basic mathematics. But then as they move into middle and high school, they begin to see how to apply those concepts through the lens of something they're interested in. I mean, it's really just taking the opportunity to reimagine education, right? Um, you know, a lot of times as a teacher, you know, years ago, you, you would think about a, a special project. Like, all right, we're going to do this project. We're going to do this unit. And, um, you know, I, I would think about like the, the boys that I would teach in uh, fourth and fifth grade. And, you know, I'd always, I'd always get the sports guys. Like, I'd always get the guys that <laughs> – they just want to play football and basketball during recess. Um, so how, how, can I, how can I use this um, to get them to do what I need them to do, to get them to read, to get them to count, to get them? So, I mean, you know, just using, like, just that theme of, of math and science and STEM. Um, I, had, I had some guys, um, um, we, we come in every day, talk about basketball, talk about the NBA playoffs. Talk about football team. And they knew I was from Pittsburgh. So, like, when my team lost, I knew I was going to hear it. So, I had to think about, you know, different ways to, like, you know, get back at them and engage them. And so, like, so I, I remember one time we were uh, working on a unit in place value. And so, um, I, I just had to think about how I can get these guys to understand, like, a t like the, th the hundred thousands and, and, like, the millions and things like that. So, we were talking about attendance at college football stadiums. And oh, yes. At, attendance at um, – basketball games, NBA basketball games and college basketball games and finding the trends in it. Like, so he, so who had the most, so I want you to find um, all the students in your classroom and identify um, who their team is, number one, what stadium they play in, what city and state, and what's the attendance for their uh, particular arena. And then, you know, based on, um, so we had these big old computers back then, like mm -hmm. with a big old, big old TV monitor. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and sometimes had, they worked and sometimes they don't, just depending on the day. Right. And we didn't have the re we didn't have a refresh yet. I think uh, netbooks, many oh, netbooks had, had just come out. Yes. And so um, I had to beg and borrow and, and beg and plead for three of those things from the middle school because they really weren't using them. They would just sit in the um, in between the um, in the lab and the charging station. I was like, I'm gonna go get these, they're not using them. So like I would just create stations and um, go find the uh, attendance for your um, your um, your teams uh, your teams uh, games for the past ten games. Then find the then find the mean of that uh, that uh, attendance, and then find mm -hmm. the uh, the mode of the attendance, and then find um, you know what was the high attendance and what was the low attendance, and just so like just things like that, and then compare it with all your friends that are in the classroom and figure out whose team was better, find that find out whose team was more popular, um, and then taking that to a whole nother level. So uh, problem project based learning, mm -hmm. um, you know, using the using a particular theme, but that happens in uh, such a much uh, concerted effort now in our magnet schools because uh, we're able to to use those particular resources and develop. Uh, different types of lessons and units around that 
and just kind of wrap those around our particular standards. We were just kind of playing with it um, at first, but um, now there's such a more concerted effort. There's so many different things that we can do with it. Well, it creates a framework, a framework of a theme that's interesting, and you can use that framework to help cultivate your lessons, meet the objectives, but also create an experience, as both of us have mentioned, that really resonates with children. And they're able to, when they're able to engage all of their senses, they're able, their learning is going to be much more impactful. So what is your vision for the magnet schools here in Charlotte and beyond? I know you do a lot of work on the national level as well, working with others in other counties and states, helping to have helping others to implement magnet programs, having conversations about what's working across the country. But what is your vision for here in CMS? So my vision is for all 11 of our magnet programs and 68 of our schools to have relevant experiences uh, that range that allows students to just really dive in uh, deep into whatever their theme is. Uh, we want them to have a passion for that. We want them to grow. A student may um, find out what they like and what they don't like based upon what program that they're in. Um, we want students to have rich experiences, rich capstone experiences. If they're in a language program, um, the fact that they're able to learn that language starting from kindergarten and speak it fluently all the way to 12th grade. Um, yes. So they can be bilingual or trilingual in that particular experience, but we want them to be able to use that experience that they have had learning that particular language, going out into the community, participating in an internship that may be in a um, minority community or a, lang a language minority community where they're able to help uh, particular uh, families access healthcare or access legal services or things of that nature uh, for students that are in our coding magnets for, for them to be able to to understand how that is applied in all the businesses that are here in Charlotte, whether it's that Duke Energy at our nuclear power plants, um, if it's at some of our small tech startups, if it's at our airports, if it's in our transportation systems, whether it's the Department of Transportation or our Charlotte area transit system uh, with the light rail, how coding goes into all that. Um, in our arts, we want our art students to be able to be prepared to go into the, the artistic space, whether uh, they're ready to audition for Juilliard or they're able to go into a tech space and, and understand how to use the whole Adobe uh, suite to, the, to, the, to create and to develop. Uh, we want to encourage entrepreneurship uh, because we all know that uh, multiple streams of revenue right now is uh, one of the most um, significant ways to generate wealth. Uh, within our families, within our communities, not being able to rely on being able to use your talent, having your passion, be able to be a productive citizen. Um, and our international baccalaureate programs, we want them to have um, worldly global experiences that allow them to impact their communities uh, that they live in and the communities around them. Um, we just want to create experiences that get students excited and reimagine education and what that looks like and let them know that um, it's a space for them to grow, a space for them to create, a space for them to get better, a space for them to, to develop and move on to the next phase of their lives. You mentioned several times, which I thought was really impactful, was um, rich experiences, opportunities, application, experience, theme-based learning, the ability to see themselves beyond the classroom, those are all really impactful words, and I believe that the magnet programs are working vigorously to be able to create those for students, even amongst many of the traditional baggage that sometimes comes with public education of testing and needing to uh, meet certain requirements. But I really like that you mentioned that, and, and the reason why I'm bringing that up, because you can hear the passion in your voice by saying the experiential learning, by providing the rich, rich experiences and opportunities, by creating a space where they can be creative. That's really powerful words, because sometimes I don't know that we see schools in that light. Often they're seen as a building with fluorescent lighting. You walk in, you sit at a desk and reimagining that and using the platform of magnet schools as a way to begin to, to change the way we're learning. You know, magnet schools could be just the first step in how we begin to really take our learning to the next level. But 
The other piece that I, I love about what you said is those experiences will be even more meaningful because they're centered around the theme that's inter- that is of interest to a student. I like that a lot. I miss when she was getting ready to ask as you was asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> I was just recapping. Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you know, a lot of our, our classrooms are, um, like you said, the fluorescent lights and the rows and, and the things like that. The, the, the traditional classroom was designed to help with the industrial revolution. Yep. And we have not changed what our classrooms look like a majority um, of the time. You know, there's, some of them are still in rows and chairs. And so we, we are working to make collaborative spaces because this is what happens in the world right now. People are working in collaborative spaces to, mm-hmm. uh, to create things, to solve problems, to use uh, 21st century skills, as I use air quotes. Um, but you know, those are the things that, that we need our students to learn um, how to do to be productive in society. Um, when you think about um, the end goal, um, years ago, if you weren't going to a four-year college or university, it was deemed that you weren't really successful. Right. Um, now, um, it's not so much the case. Like uh, the, the pendulum is, is shifting back. Mm-hmm. Um, we want students to, to be ready to be ready to go to a four-year college or university or uh, choose uh, options or, or a pathway um, to, uh, to go into to one of the, I don't want to say trades, but uh, more technical skills. Uh, we know that Duke Energy here in Charlotte, North Carolina, one of the major power suppliers uh, through the East Coast, through Kentucky, um, up through um, the Great Lakes region as well, um, their entire workforce is getting ready to retire. And um, they have, um, they play a critical role in <laughs> what happens in the world today. They supply, they supply energy, they supply power, they supply energy through, um, you know, our nuclear power plants, through our windmills, um, through our um, hydroelectricity, which is, you know, our dams and things like that. Um, they, they supply a, a critical need, a critical mass of things that's happening in the Eastern uh, power grid. Um, and so uh, they require um, to work there, you know, some of those jobs require a, a two-year degree or just some technical training. And uh, they're, 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 living, they're living really nice, they're living really nice. And, um, you know, we have to have students that are ready to, uh, to learn those types of skills yes. and to take over those jobs. And, you know, they, they can start making, you know, 50 to 60 to $70,000 working some of those uh, careers there. And um, they're going to be super successful. Just start now. Um, that's a lot, lot more than, than, you know, some people made, or even I made as a teacher. Oh my um, goodness. Yes. Starting years ago. <laughs> um, so we, we started, we're starting to shift to, to understand um, or redefine what um, success looks like um, in our schools. Um, it's, not, Absolutely. it's not about going to, it's not about just going to college. Um, it's an honor to serve in our military as well, using those options and learning um, skills, skills there. Um, it's just it's just a different outlook right now, um, and, and there's, there's there's different ways and different paths to success. And there's different ways to do it, and it's more acceptable now. I know, and it, it makes me very excited because you can think about the two of us, even as kids, and the opportunities that we had then versus what the opportunities our children have now, just just our children that we both have two children and, and the difference of what they will be exposed to. You know, my mom used to tell me when I was younger that, you know, you, I didn't have to go to a four-year school. And, and that was ultimately what I wanted to do. But she said, you know, you need to train yourself to do something, find the skill or, a pa- you know, what you want to do in order, train yourself so that you have an opportunity the opportunity that we are in now is that there's lots of opportunities to, I've used that word a lot. There is just so many different avenues, as you mentioned, for you to find your spot in a career that is going to work for you. And it doesn't always have to mean it's a four-year school, which I'd like to know your thoughts. And part of that, to me, in my opinion, comes from the technological revolution. You mentioned the industrial revolution. And now we have moved into 
what is being called the technological revolution because it is changing the way we're interacting. How have you seen technology play an integral role in the magnet school themes in changing the way the magnet schools are interacting with students or preparing them for success? Oh, technology alone, just this year. I mean, we're in, we're in the <laughs> yeah. year of the, in the year of COVID, in the year in the years of COVID, or the or the years of the pandemic, and so uh, we are doing things that we normally would not have done. Uh, it has forced districts to go uh, to one to one technology, um, using learning management systems or LMSs to to access content, um, which at first was an option. It was something that you could do if you were pushing the envelope, but now it is a necessity. Um, it's requiring us to understand uh, more about technology and how to access it. It's, it's, it's requiring us to um, use different modes of communication. Um, I was going to a different place when you um, started to, um, when you were asking that question, I thought you were gonna ask how the industrial uh, revolution and the technology, technology, technological revolution met. Um, and well, we can talk about that too. That's a great point. You get, carry on. An example of that is, um, you know, logistics, right? So you have the people that, mm. that work for um, FedEx and UPS, right? And you would, on the outside looking mm-hmm. in, you would, you would look at that job and you would think, oh, they're delivery drivers and like they, they just deliver boxes, and 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 packages and and they go like they go from like one place uh, and they go to a hub and they go to a, to another place but there's so much technology that is involved in that and it goes so deep and when you think about supply chain management um, and how um, <clears throat> organizations like UPS FedEx um, DHL how they get uh, raw materials to a plant and from, um, from the plant um, to the retail store, to buying these nice shoes and clothes and things that we like to buy and, and uh, use our nice hard-earned paychecks to celebrate, uh, or these cars and things like that. Um, it, it's amazing how the technology and the, um, and the industry have, have merged to make those things happen. Take an example such as the, um, the, vaccin- the um, COVID vaccination right now, right? And guess who's delivering that? FedEx, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so they have like all these special technologies and all these special codings and geotagging and understanding uh, the point of origin and how long that that vaccine has been um, in storage and where, it, where it's going and where it has gone. And at the same time, recording its temperature. Um, and there's someone behind the screen that's watching all of that, looking at all of that data, making sure that that vaccine is good uh, to where it gets to the point to where it gets to uh, be able to be distributed and, and how it's distributed in our uh, particular communities. And so uh, a simple job, you know, or a simple organization that you might have thought like, you know, UPS, right? Or, or FedEx delivering packages, the technology comes into it. And it, and well, it, it you know, you, yeah, I mean, and it's important now. I mean, I would even think I, I'll, I'll throw a, a wrench in here and say FedEx and UPS have been around for a while, the Postal Service, but Amazon, you know, you think about Amazon has changed the way in which package delivery has been executed. And that's because of technology and the way they've executed technology to use, uh, to use uh, tracking and transportation to get you your package in two days. It's pretty incredible. Right. You you would tell our you would tell your kids like like there was there's wonderful opportunities um in these organization years ago and, and you you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought of it, right? But now they're learning about the coding skills and you're giving them a, the experiences and the case studies and, and and how these things work and they actually get to see it and they get to experience it and they get to play it out and, and you give them um different simulations and throw different variables in and they get to learn about it and they write about it and they understand it and they get to talk about it and say what they would have done differently. Um, and, it, and it makes them look into the company. It makes them look into their earnings. It makes them look at the, the opportunities that are available and they would have never even thought about that. Oh, I don't want to be a UPS driver. I don't want to work for FedEx. But then they start to see the other side and other jobs that are involved in these different companies and they have the opportunity to see um, what their outlook could be. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the other piece that's really great about all of this is that technology is playing such a huge role in all that we're doing now. Let me, let me, let me rephrase that so I say it more in a more articulate manner. Technology has been driving business for many years. It has not necessarily been prevalent in our education system. There has been opportunities. There has been, like you said, you could use a learning management system or you could use something like Skype or, you know, a, a Zoom tool. But teachers, we didn't all do that. It wasn't necessarily pervasive within our education system. And now that is changing. COVID has brought to light a lot of different pieces of education that can be leveraged by using technology to create with and not just consume. And I believe that that's going to really change the trajectory of how we're planning out what our themes for magnet schools are going to look like, what our classrooms are going to look like over the next few years, which I'd love to ask you, where do you think education will be in the next five years? I mean, I, I keep saying it like we, we're doing things that we've never done before. Right. And so, um, you know, being able to access learning from wherever you are with a device is going to open up amazing doors for all of our students. Um, we talked about virtual field trips long ago um, and videos and things like that. Um, watching, um, you know, surgeries with the uh, Howard HHM, Howard Hughes Medical Institute and mm -hmm. um, different types of talks on uh, proteins and things like that in high school. But like, you know, the fact that we use technology for every meeting that we have right now, is just going to provide so many different types of opportunities for students in these different things. Um, I, I know right now in our arts classrooms, um, we've got some things going on where we're meeting with the, um, the Charlotte Symphony. And so the orchestra classes are meeting with uh, people that are playing those particular instruments that the students are playing. And we have some um, meetings going on with the art curators, um, some uh, meetings going on with the different museum curators and how they curate particular um, collections that they may have or, or they may have to keep up and how they do the research and things like that. You think about the digital displays at the African-American History uh, Museum, the Smithsonian in, in Washington, D.C., if you've ever seen that. There's a lot of STEM uh, behind that. If you, if you think about um, just the procurement of different types of videos and, and the way that we access education right now, um, we're all doing it through technology. And so it's just really having us take a look at something that is super different um, than it's normally been. There is a resistance. Um, the resistance is um, a lot of times you hear about screen time and things like that, but I think it's more so that just people just don't understand and they're afraid of the unknown. Um, and so uh, this is new, and, uh, but, it, but it's a, there's, a, there's a huge benefit to our students, our kids, their futures, um, their opportunities. Um, just, just in high school alone, we've, we've had internship opportunities and we've had here in Charlotte, a young lady that is participating in one of the Goodwill programs. Um, one of the, um, I think they call it the rock over there off of uh, Freedom Drive. And um, mm -hmm. she had the opportunity to have an internship as an electrician, as an uh, African-American female working on one of these skyscrapers that are going up in uptown Charlotte. And she was clocking in, clocking out learning on the job, on the scaffolding, going up the elevators, wiring the building. We're not talking about just wiring little um, light fixtures and things like that, just dealing with energy and power management. And um, for us to be able to continue to provide opportunities like that, where students are able to get certification, uh, students are able to get exposure, and to have a, have a choice and opportunity when they graduate, it's amazing. She can mm -hmm. go and she can go and, and, and be an electrician um, coming straight out of high school, looking at what that looks like or go, or go and study electrical engineering. Either way, um, she has opportunities. And so she has that exposure and she's going to be so much, so much richer because she's had that exposure. Yeah. She's going to be very well off. 
Right. And then the other piece that I like the most about this, too, is that she can set a standard and set an example for those that come behind her and how she has stepped up to the plate and said, you know what, I want to try this experience. I mean, that's an incredible young woman and what a great role model for those that can follow in her footsteps. So, Walter, if individuals would like to get in touch with you and learn more about magnet programs, magnet programs in the Charlotte area or beyond, as I mentioned, you do work not just in Charlotte, I mean, you are connected amongst other educators across the country. How do um, our listeners, my listeners, reach out to you and get in touch to learn more? So you definitely can uh, reach me um, at my email, which is walter.hall at cms.k12 dot nc dot us um you can follow a lot of our work at uh cms choice uh you can follow us on facebook and instagram there um pretty much um i don't know what else i want to say right here but uh <laughs> yeah That's perfect I'm, so yeah. you can you can follow you can send him an email and I'll put that in the information um, in the show notes of our show and then follow them at CMS Choice on any of the big platforms. And Walter, if you could give an action item to our listeners for those that are thinking about you know how technology influences their life, how they can influence the next generation, what is an action item or a a good tip that you would like to share with our listeners? I really would just say embrace technology. Um, it's, it's so important. It's a way of changing. It, it is a part of our lives. So it's like, it's one of those things, if you just look at a plant, right? Plant got two choices. It's either going to grow or it's going to die. And that's just like us. So like, if we take the opportunity to learn about these new technologies and these new things that are coming in our lives and new ways to, to integrate and to get our students excited or our children excited about uh, what they're learning and connecting them to, you know, what they're connected to, it's going to benefit us. I mean, there's so many arguments that are about oh, too much screen time, too much technology is taking over. We're getting rid of the classics. We're getting rid of the originals. And this is a part of, this is a part of life. Um, it's a part of our everyday life. We use technology for our reminders, our appointments, um, to calculate our bills, to, to understand what retirement looks like, to understand what we're going to watch on television, what we're going to cook, what we're going to eat, uh, how we're going to travel, uh, what entertainment looks like for us. And it's a, it's a part of our life. So like, let's not um, ignore it. Let's embrace it. Let's figure out a way to harness it. Let's figure out a way to manage it. Let's figure out a way to make it enhance our lives, all of our lives, our students' lives, the parents' lives, um, adults' lives. Let's not just say, oh, this is for the young people. Um, that's another point. Just, just embrace everybody embracing it and figuring out a way to make your life better. I love that. And I think it's absolutely true. I mean, we're net, we are always learning. And to be honest with you, I learn from my children on a regular basis because they know more about technical things than even I do. And I'm in the field, right? They adapt to things very differently than I do or how I learned and, and because I didn't have the access that they have now. So that continuous learning point, I think, is brilliant. And it's, again, it's about your mindset. Let's not be scared. Instead of approach it with one step at a time. What is something that, you know, I always say, I try to learn one new little tip each day of something that I'm working on. So just the other day, I learned in uh, Google Calendar how to, so it already knew how to do some custom pieces, but I was able to customize it and then allow others to invite in certain uh, instances. Like if I want it to, like, let's say I'm doing a repeated meeting, but I want you to come to one of them. Like when I send it to you, it'll, it'll allow you to come. And then if you want to invite somebody else to, you can. I was like so proud of myself. Right. I mean, there's like little yeah. things like that. Like you just teach yourself a little tip that I'm like, Ooh, that was fun. <laughs> that was yeah. Fun. I learned about, uh, so I, so we use Calendly here in the office. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I saw it, I saw it once like a couple of years ago and I was like, Oh, that's, that's a pretty cool tool. And then I started to dig into it a little bit more and it really became like our scheduling system. So we were able to like start with like video concierge appointments to meet with families and parents just to kind of help them help, you know, 
so they can get information about their family's choices around uh, school choice, like what school would they like to go to? How do they get in the lottery process? Well, what does this theme look like? And what experience will my child have in this? And I, I really didn't realize like all the coding behind uh, that particular program. So it's like on the outside, the whole point is for the user to have like this seamless experience. They click a button, they say what they want, and then it just does all the coding on the background. I want to schedule it on this day in between this these hours because he's free during this time. And if it's this particular topic, it has to go to this specialist. If it's uh, a Montessori topic, it needs to go to that specialist. If it's uh, arts topic, it needs to go to that specialist. And if they need an interpreter, then we need to put another change action in to contact the interpreter service to make sure that we have all three people on the line at the same time. So um, I just kind of thought that was neat, but it's like some, something so simple as a concept in terms of scheduling, mm-hmm. but it has so many different things that are happening in the background. And um, it's a giant you know, if statement. Yeah. It's just, just <laughs> one of those things that our students are learning mm-hmm. um, how to do how to prepare for, how to create, um, and a lot of our programs, and they don't even know that those things exist yet. So, um, well, this yeah. is true. We, I, I believe, we're prepared. We, our goal is to prepare our students for jobs that don't exist, but give them the skill set to be able to do anything that comes across their their desk or their path and be successful. And I, I think that the magnet school programs are a great way to elevate students' passion, give them purpose, and really give a framework for honing in on a concept and just really giving students an experience to learn, which you have mentioned and I think is incredible. I invite all of you to follow Walter and the work they're doing here in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools at CMS Choice on all the platforms. And you can reach out to Walter via his email, which we will have in the show notes. I thank you so much for your time, Walter. I thank you all for being here for this hour. And remember that we are all learning, constantly learning, and that technology doesn't have to be scary. We can do it one step at a time. It could be something as easy as conquering your Google calendar, right? It just, it's something a little bit each day. Thank you all for joining joining us on this episode of Coding the Future. I look forward to you joining us next week as we continue our conversations with more experts in the field around technological innovation. Thank you again. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to our show. Find us on all the podcast apps and subscribe to Coding the Future. This is Dr. Jones. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then. From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The DOT Consulting, a new level of tech savvy, Visit the .consulting.co. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org.